Most importantly, iPhone provides an integrated customer experience from iOS 4 to iTunes to the incredible app store with over 300,000 apps, all designed to seamlessly work together. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Alex Bloomberg. And I'm Jacob Goldstein. Today's Tuesday, January 31st, and that was Apple CEO Tim Cook you heard at the top. Today on the program, how a small side hobby turns into a one-man mini empire, and also a parable for how the Apple App Store is revolutionizing the internet economy. This revolution, it's allowing people to do on the internet something that mankind has been doing in the real world for thousands of years. That's all coming up. But first, The Indicator with you, Jacob Goldstein. Today's Planet Money Indicator, 3.7. U.S. home prices fell by 3.7% in the year through November. That's according to the latest Case-Shiller numbers, which came out today. Fell by 3.7%. <laughs> Down. Down. This is like a retro number. This is a straight out of 2009. And it's really striking now because like for a while now, for the last couple of months, you've been giving basically good indicators, indicators of improvement. The economy is growing. Jobless numbers are going down. More people are getting hired. What's going on? Uh, Well, I mean, it does seem like there is this sort of broad story that the economy, yes, it's still bad, but it's slowly getting better, except for housing. A big except. It's a huge except. And let me just read a line here from today's Case Shiller report. It goes, quote, The trend is down, and there are few, if any, signs in the numbers that a turning point is close at hand. Wow, they just come out and say what they want. 2009, right? This is bad. And, and, you know, in simple terms, there are still millions of people who are underwater on their mortgages, who owe more than their home is worth, and who cannot afford to make their mortgage payments. And so we're almost certainly going to see millions more foreclosures before the housing market gets back to normal. Man, it has taken a long time, isn't it? Yeah, and it's going to take a lot longer. All right. Well, after that pretty bleak indicator, let's go on to a happier subject. Today's podcast, success on the Internet. One word for you, Instapaper. Instapaper, it's an app. Uh, You can buy it in the App Store. Uh, Full disclosure, I have it on my phone. I like it. I I use it basically every day. And to explain how it works, it'll help to understand the podcast if you know how it works. Basically, it just allows you to save things that you're reading on the internet, save them for later. So, for example, I'm just going to go to a website here. All right, here I am. I'm on ESPN.com, their blog, True Hoop. All right, and let's see. There's an article about Blake Griffin. All right. He's a basketball player, I He's presume. Exciting young basketball players in all the highlight films. But I don't have time to read it right now. I'm at work. And so here's the way Instapaper works. When you sign up for Instapaper, you add this special thing to your browser. It says read later, right? So you come onto this article about this basketball player. You don't have time to read it now. So you you use your read later bookmark. I'm going to click it right now. Click read later. Click. And then something magic happens. And now, later, I open up my iPhone. Here, I'm going to open it up right now. Get it out of my pocket. Okay. I click my Instapaper app. And there, right there is the article that I was reading at work, the article on Blake Griffin. That's Instapaper. Super simple in a way, right? It's not doing that much. It's just sort of saving this article to your phone so you can read it later. But the story of how Instapaper became a little business is is really interesting. Yeah, and the guy who invented Instapaper is, is named Marco Arment. And we sat down and talked to Marco about the story behind his app. And, and he said he actually never planned it to be a business, 
Marco is a software engineer. He co-founded the blogging platform Tumblr. And he'd originally written Instapaper for his own personal use, just as a little side hobby. Originally, it wasn't even an app. It was just this website. He told some friends about his website, got a few write-ups in the tech press, and, and after a little while, he had thousands of people who'd registered for an account. And so he put an ad on this Instapaper website, and the revenue from the ad, you know, it wasn't great, but it was a few hundred bucks a month. Now, Apple around this time had been telling software engineers like Marco, hey, we have this exciting new thing, this app store coming. Make us an app. Put it in the store. And so Marco was like, okay, I'll turn Instapaper into an app. His app was up the second day the App Store was open for business. The App Store turned out being a much bigger success than I think anybody thought it would, including Apple. I got a huge influx of users just by being a decent app available on the App Store at the beginning. The user base very quickly doubled, uh, probably within weeks. So initially, at this time, he was actually giving away the app. But, you know, it's doing so well, it's growing, he figures, I can sell this thing. So he makes a few improvements and starts charging people for the Instapaper app. I decided to charge $10. Was it actually nine ninety nine? Because everything yeah. is something 99 on the <laughs> yeah, App Store? It has to be. Uh, does it? Is that a rule? Yeah, it's, that, yeah. You, you just basically select the first digit. Oh, and then the, the next two are 99? Yeah. yeah. And how did nine ninety nine work out? It worked out okay. But it was not selling anywhere near the volume that I wanted. So a year later, I realized – what made me realize it was that somebody else's app that I really respect was $10. And I went to go buy it, and I liked this guy. He was a, a nice guy, a smart guy, smart developer. And I went to go buy his app, and I saw the price, and I kind of hesitated. I'm like, ooh, $10. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is not This is not good. <laughs> So it was at that point I decided I have to lower my price. So that's when I changed the price uh, to $5. And uh, it turns out I was right that people will buy that in volume. And the sales more than doubled from that point. By a factor of what did they go up? I don't know exactly offhand. Um, probably by a factor of four or five. All right. Some quick math. If you cut your price in half but your sales go up by four or five times, you're making more than twice what you made before. By cutting his price in half, he more than doubled his revenue. And things just kept getting better from there. The iPad came out, which meant millions more potential customers for him. And by the fall of 2010, Marco Arment is selling so many of these apps at just five bucks a pop that he's bringing in enough money to quit his day job. And this is where the, dare I say, revolutionary aspect of the story <laughs> comes in. <laughs> so before the App Store comes along, Marco was doing the basic Internet 101 business plan, right? He had a bunch of users, and then he was able to sell an ad on his site based on those users, and that generates a little bit of income. But the way he makes his money is through the ad. After the App Store, he is actually selling his product to the people who use it. One of the reasons why selling ads on websites is so often the business model for, for websites is because it's really easy, and, and your customers, well, rather your users at that point, don't need to do anything. They just need to show up to the website. And everyone who just shows up, which takes no effort except one click, uh, everyone who shows up makes you a penny or two. Where if you want, if you were trying to sell something directly to customers for money, uh, they on the web, they had to go through payment gateways. They had to type in all their address and billing information, type in their credit card number. They might not trust you with their credit card number. It was a big deal. You know, The more barriers you put up there, the more people will just say, ah, never mind, and they'll abandon buying your product. So what changed with the App Store is that Apple already had everyone's billing information from iTunes. 
So they already, if you if you used an iPhone, chances were good that you already had a credit card hooked up to iTunes, and so you could buy things just by typing in your password. And Apple made it even even more of a of an even playing field in that whether you buy a free app or a paid app, it's the same process. You type in your password either way. So buying a paid app over a free one is no additional effort. And that changed everything. That, for the first time, brought very, very easy payment to the modern software world. And that, that more than anything, is why there is a business for paid apps of any reasonable size. And that that's the reason that you're able to leave your old job at Tumblr and, and make a decent living doing what you're doing now. Definitely. Can we talk about the, the, the scope of your decent living? <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot, but just can you just uh, can you can you lay out like what are we talking about when, when we're talking about decent living means different things to different people? What, can you just put some numbers on that? Sure. I mean, it depends a lot on what app you sell. If you do really well, you can easily make six figures a year. Um, if you do moderately well, you can easily make a good five figures a year and, and have that be your primary or maybe a side income. Um, even if you put very little effort into it and have an app that almost nobody buys, it turns out there's like 300 million people looking for apps. So even if a small trickle of them buys yours, you might still make a few hundred bucks a month. Uh-huh. And and where are you in that five-figure, six-figure, if you can say? Uh, I've done well. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever I say the business makes is pretty much what I make. And that's right. somewhere comfortably into the six figures. Yes. And is it right that you are still the only employee of Instapaper? That's right. And that you've never taken any venture capital or anything like that for Instapaper. Correct. So Instapaper well, is a small business. You're a small businessman. Exactly. I never needed any venture capital money. The The only reason I would need venture capital is, it, well, there's, there'd be two reasons. If I stop making sales of the app happen in any reasonable volume, although that would show negative growth, which VCs <laughs> wouldn't like very much, uh, so it would be difficult to raise money. Or if I wanted to expand very quickly with a lot of employees and a lot of resources. Uh, but that... You know, I've seen that before. That's that's what Tumblr was. I know that business. I, I've been there. And there is certainly a place for it, but I just did that for four years before this. I, I didn't want to do it so quickly again. Uh, I wanted to try the simple way of charge money for a product and spend less than you make and see what you can do with that. Basically have a business like a normal business. Right. <laughs> People always ask what my business model is, and it's really – it's very disappointingly simple to them. It's – I sell something for money. For, for five bucks. <laughs> right. I sell this thing for five bucks. Right. It's like selling gum or something. And, it, it's, and, you know, the tech press looks at that as some kind of oddity. They're like, well, when are you going to make it a business and get VC funding? I'm like, what? How many people are now using Instapaper? Um, the service total with the web and, and uh, web and app combined is about two million. Wow. Wow. But, you know, it's, it's a hard number to give because – it's two million accounts that have been created, but you know, whenever a web service tells you a number like that, it's usually BS. You're saying I shouldn't believe you. No, well, I'm saying <laughs> how I'm many saying people? How shouldn't... many people have bought the paid app? Oh, that I won't tell you. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> easy. But, that's an but easy whenever one. a web whenever a web company tells you a, like a here's how many users we have, that's how many user accounts they have. That uh-huh. that doesn't mean that's how many people are actively using I mean, it. Every some guy day. signed up two years ago and never came back and never gave right any exactly. Money. Or like you know, or somebody created two accounts by mistake and then you know they abandoned one of them. Uh, so any and there's no there's no agreed upon definition of what an active user is. So any number of people give you like that is you know take it with a grain of salt. So you make a nice living selling apps for five dollars at a time. Exactly. Uh, 
I feel like I feel like there are lots of ways that could go wrong. I feel like there are lots of ways your sales could go way down. Certainly. One of the reasons a lot of small software companies want to take venture capital and get big fast is because they think if we're little and we have a good idea and we stay little, someone else will just essentially copy us and trample all over us. So is that a risk you face? And, and is it right? Did Apple itself introduce recently some kind of a reader that sort <laughs> yep. of does some of what Instapaper does? Yeah, Apple is now one of my competitors, and it comes built into the OS for free. I mean, is that terrifying? Here's how I think about it. You know, if if you want to be the biggest player and dominate a whole industry, then maybe you have to do the VC route and, and get big quickly to be, before someone else does. Um, all of my competitors that I know of are VC funded or are Apple. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> or have $100 billion in right. the bank waiting to crush you with it. Right. Yeah. Um, so that, that's one way to do it if that's your goal is to dominate the market. My goal has never been to dominate the market. My goal has always been to just make a living for myself. And I don't really care if someone else is bigger than me. Um, if I can keep running my business, I'm fine. And this is a really, really big pool of people we're talking about in, in the customers. It's a huge customer base. People who read online. Pe- yeah, people who have iPads and <laughs> right. or iPhones so or not... Android phones and want to read. And right. read stuff on the internet. <laughs> right. So it's, it's a huge customer base. Back in, in an earlier job, I, I worked for a company that had their own search engine. And the search engine at the time, Google was very popular, but they had the search engine that had some minuscule portion of the market. But it didn't matter because it, it paid for itself and made a profit. And it was enough to support the people who were working on it. And I, w- and I would get emails from customers who use the search engine saying, I use this instead of Google because it's blue. Or I like the <laughs> logo better. Or I don't like what Google did in China or something. You know, there, th- When the market is that big of everybody who uses the internet, <laughs> any little differentiator can get you enough of a customer base to support yourself and a few other people. One of the reasons that I'm that we're interested in talking to you is what you represent, a new and interesting chapter of making money on the internet, an interesting business that that didn't exist, you know, 2 years ago. Where are we in that evolution? Like how many more views are there going to be in the future? I, probably a lot. I mean, if you look at the web funding things with advertising, that's been around for over a decade and has done quite well during that time. And we're still seeing different things being built on free web services with advertising. Um, what this world has done, especially especially the Apple world with the ease of payment, is it's created a different way to fund things. Um, that, you know, it's a very old way of funding things on the internet that was very new. and Which is selling them. Right, which is just selling them <laughs> selling to people to for people a small amount them. of money. Um, it's much simpler. You know, anytime somebody says that they're exploring business models, that probably means that, that the user are about to be sold out in some way. Uh, it's you know, Like, you never want to hear from a service that you're using that they're exploring business models. That's that's never a good thing for you as the user. Um, but what this does is, this is you know, Apple and, and the iOS ecosystem, and I'm sure future uh, ecosystems that are, that are similarly built, um, give people a way to pay for things easily. And so your option isn't just advertising or selling people out. Now you have other options. And so you can run a very, very kind of pure or simple business now on the internet, which which was was previously very difficult because of the difficulty of payment. 
and now it's it's a whole different world. So you can indeed have lots of businesses built this way where you charge a small amount of money for things and that's it. You're done. You don't need to go seek out VC money. You don't need to sell out your, your users' privacy. Like They're not even your users. They're your customers for the first time in a decade. It's great. We did ask Marco, you know, what happens when everybody who wants Instapaper has already bought it and, and, you know, that's it. They spend their five bucks, they get their app forever, and you got to go out of business at that point. And he said he's actually experimenting with this new subscription model. Basically, you've already bought the app, but if you really like Instapaper, you can subscribe, you can pay a dollar a month. But he said, and he, he says this to his customers, for your extra dollar a month for your subscription, you get basically nothing. You can keep using the product, but you can just pay if you want to. That sounds familiar. As always, we want to hear what you thought of today's show. Send us your comments, questions, feedback, planetmoney at npr.org. You can also... Visit our blog at npr.org slash money. Visit us on Twitter. You can visit us on Facebook. I'm Jacob Goldstein. And I'm Alex Bloomberg. Thanks for listening.